0: Welcome to a special edition of Prescribed Listening from the University of Toledo Medical Center. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Ellis, Chief Medical Officer at UTMC. Dr. Ellis graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point and served 20 years in the U.S. Army. He is board certified in internal medicine and infectious diseases. Dr. Ellis will discuss the current state of COVID-19 and the continued importance of getting vaccinated. My name is Michael Ellis. I'm the chief medical officer here at UTMC, and I'm also an infectious disease physician. The one thing that I would say about the COVID pandemic is it really has demonstrated the reality of the interconnectedness of people just around the globe. So no matter what, where you are, you ultimately can impact other people. So when we look at COVID in the community, We also have to look at what's happening around the world, what's happening in our country, what's happening in our state, what's happening in our county, and then what's happening even in our local community. Right now, if you look at what's going on in the state of Ohio, we've had about 50,000 cases every week. We look at a tool that the CDC generates that forecasts so we can look out ahead And it has confidence intervals so that we can look at what's the best case trend over the next couple of months and what's the worst case trend uh, over the next several months. I'm never very overly optimistic about how things will go. I usually plan for the worst case scenario. So the worst case scenario is that we continue to have uh, an uptrending over the next several months as it. As we enter into some cooler months and things like that, and people are indoors more and and closer proximity. Uh, The forecasts and models are that over the next couple of weeks, we'll actually see a a downtrend. So, you know, we hope for that, but we plan for the worst. The Delta variant has thrown a wrinkle into how the trajectory of the pandemic was going uh, really around the world. But I think that we should be prepared for different variants and, you know, this is always going to be a moving target until, until it just runs its course. And we just need to focus on the things that we can control, namely vaccinations, preventive measures, uh, developing therapeutics. The the thing about the Delta variant is, and, and the dust hasn't settled on all the nuances of the Delta variant. It seems to be more transmissible. It seems to be able to cause more severe disease. And the transmissibility has to be taken into context with the incubation period. And so, you know, something being a little bit more transmissible can get easily magnified. So, if with the original strain of COVID I infected two people, and then those two people infected two people several days later, you can see that you know that's going to th- that population of infected people is going to grow. If with the Delta variant you infect five other people, you can quickly see that that in a matter of weeks those two numbers can quickly diverge so that assuming all these factors and nobody's vaccinated and nobody's already had COVID left to run its course, over a couple months, COVID could infect, COVID Delta variant could infect 3,000 people as opposed to only 30 people. Uh, And so that's why just being a little bit more contagious, can really start to, uh, over time, really exacerbate things and put a strain on education, work, healthcare facilities. So that's why uh, the Delta variant has really changed the course a little bit. Obviously, the vaccines that were developed are to prevent hospitalizations, severe disease, and death. And so those vaccines still do that and you can still have some breakthrough infections. Um, those, uh, and and even with Delta, but if you have a breakthrough infection with the Alpha variant, uh, you're, you're gonna infect fewer other people. But again, if you have a breakthrough infection with the Delta variant, even though it's mild, you, you can still infect quite a number of other people over time. If you look at, um, The endpoints of these studies, they really were aimed, and rightfully so, at preventing hospitalizations and deaths. Those are very clear uh, endpoints that are easily measured. Um, It takes a lot more of a robust study to uh, look at uh, asymptomatic infections or even mild infections. So the breakthrough infections have always been possible, but not always well tracked. And people can show up with either mild or symptoms that they may not normally have thought too much about in the absence of a you know global pandemic. But now if they have a stuffy nose or sore throat or affected taste or smell, they may go to the doctor and get tested. And... And even though they're going to be better in a couple of days, they will have contracted COVID. So all throughout the pandemic, variants have been tracked. And you should expect variants to develop. Uh, all viruses will mutate over time, especially with different epidemiological pressures and even vaccines or therapies, they, they will adapt. And not so much as adapt as mutate. And uh, so there are variants that are being followed by the CDC. They classify variants in terms of the impact on public health. So they have variants that they're just monitoring, variants of interest, variants of concern, and variants of high consequence. So those are the classifications. As an example, Delta variant is a, is a variant of concern. There are others that probably have been in the media, there's a mu variant that's being tracked. Right now in the United States, the Delta variant is causing the majority of infections, the vast majority of infections, and only a small proportion, about 1% right now, are being caused by this mu variant. But that is is a variant that they're tracking to keep a close eye on. Again, there are factors that can alter the trajectory of these things based on You know, how many people are vaccinated, how many people have natural post-infectious immunity, and then the season, what people are doing, how they're gathering or not gathering, things like that. The people who are being affected most right now are the unvaccinated group. I would say the unvaccinated group of all ages. So if you look at vaccine acceptance in the state of Ohio, if you take all age groups, about 54% of the state of Ohio has gotten at least one dose of a COVID vaccine, but that, that percentage of acceptance differs between age groups. So if you are over 70 years old, it's well over 80% have received a vaccine. If you look down at the 20 to 29 year old age group, it's less than 50%, it's about 48%. So we see younger patients than we did before, but we still see older patients who have not been vaccinated. Those are still clearly a high risk group, regardless of what variants out there. If you're older and you get infected with COVID, you're at more risk of having severe disease. So again, the, the the population that we're seeing in the hospital is overwhelmingly, well over 90% are unvaccinated people. So wearing masks can be really discouraging for people, um, especially if they've been vaccinated. You know, the question they have is, "Hey, I got the vaccine. Why should I have to wear a mask?" Well, there's two reasons for that. Number one, you can still get the Delta variant and and get COVID. Granted, it should be mild. But the thing that's beyond the individual is that if you do get infected, you're able then to transmit this. And so with a virus that's more transmissible, it's prudent to prevent all illness that you can. So that minimizes the number of people who are ultimately going to get infected. You know, masks are easy, they're effective, and uh, they're effective across a number of viruses, not just, uh, not just COVID. And that's why we saw fewer other respiratory illnesses last year, um, including influenza. So I, I think that besides COVID, wearing a mask right now uh, is a good thing to just try to reduce all respiratory tract infections. Including influenza and RSV, uh, respiratory syncytial virus, so that we're not overly taxing the healthcare system that is already strained. Yeah, so public health is uh, public health policy is um, a little bit like marketing in many ways. So obviously they have the individual person's health in mind, but they also look at others, so especially the more vulnerable. I think a lot of ways the the uh, removal of the mask mandates that were in place uh, up until the spring, the late spring, were, uh, you know, removing those was a way to say, hey, look, if you get a vaccine, you can take off your mask. I think what happened was that message, that message was received so that people who had not been vaccinated stopped wearing a mask as well so you had a combination of you know a more transmissible virus with coinciding with people taking off their masks so i don't think it was necessarily a bad idea to, to remove those mask mandates again i think with a global pandemic you have to be flexible and people should not be surprised that messages have to change and we have to adapt and i know it's uh, I know it can be a strain on people emotionally, uh, but uh, we just have to be as flexible and as resilient as we can. So the best way to protect an individual and his or her loved ones is to get a vaccine uh, and wear a mask as recommended, especially in uh, close spaces around people that you don't know their vaccine status. So for children, I would, uh, I would follow their, whatever their school district and their school is recommending. That doesn't prevent anybody from also asking their children to wear a mask, um, especially in public places. So that's, uh, again, a very low-tech, highly effective way to prevent their kids from getting uh, COVID. So right now, the Pfizer vaccine is approved for children 12 and older. Just this last week, they completed and published some results that they'll take to the FDA for children age 5 to 11. So I think there's going to be more to follow over the next few weeks about the vaccine status for uh, children under the age of 12 so booster shots have been a moving target and a lot of uh, discussion has been uh, focused on booster shots right now the clear recommendation is for immune suppressed people especially those who are transplant recipients to receive a booster just yesterday the cdc recommended that vaccines with the Pfizer vaccine be given for people over the age of 65 and then also healthcare workers who are at high risk for contracting COVID. I think that over the coming days, we'll have a clearer idea about how that will finally look and how that will be rolled out and implemented. Boosters are going to be important for certain groups of people, for sure, especially the immune compromise and the elderly. I also think that we can't take our eye off the ball and we really need to focus on the unvaccinated people. Again, although boosters are, are important, what we know for certain is a primary vaccine is very important. And from a public health perspective, I would like to make sure we focus on getting vaccines to the currently unvaccinated people. So the most important things I think people should know about COVID are that they should protect themselves and by doing that, protect everybody else. So recognizing as we talked about at the beginning that we're all interconnected, Uh, no person is an island. So choosing to get a vaccine protects yourself but it also protects other people and it helps to bring stability to the healthcare system And then really it allows people to get on with their lives so that kids can go back to school. So kids, people can work, uh, those, those things have to continue. And that's why it's important for individuals to protect themselves with a vaccine, to wear the masks when they're asked to, and, uh, choose a kind of a more selfless duty minded approach to the, to the pandemic. You know, these vaccines have been demonstrated to be safe. I think that uh, the best people can do is to protect themselves with a vaccine and then at the same time protect others uh, by doing that. So if they're on the fence about whether they would like a vaccine, I would opt for more the altruistic side and, and go ahead and get a vaccine. Thank you for listening to Prescribed Listening from the University of Toledo Medical Center. To learn more about the provider you heard on today's show, visit utmc.utoledo.edu. Prescribe Listening will be back next week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening.